if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Chick. This is a Soulfire production. Jane, I am so excited to have this conversation. I don't know where it's going to go. I have a feeling it's going to get very hot at times. and Might even get dirty. Alexa. Might even get dirty. Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm into whatever arises. <laughs> Just consider this my blanket consent for this conversation. Well, you have mine too. Oh, great. It'd be mutual. <laughs> and uh, I'm game. So thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I'm excited. Absolutely. And so I love that you, you know, I can't remember exactly how your book Edge Play, how, how I came across it, but I think it was, you know, somebody that I follow also um, shared the book or something and then I grabbed yeah. it and, you know, it's been sitting on my um, shelf and I, it's even had a little kind of bundle of rope. And I've thought about it a couple of times. I actually thought about if I didn't spend so much time playing. Yeah. She's showing me the book right now and it's tied up. So <laughs> I actually thought if I wouldn't have spent so much time playing with all my podcast gear, making sure that it was all functioning properly, I thought about taking some rope and actually tying the book so that I could do it. Like you have all your pictures on your Instagram. I, I will be happy to give you a hands-on instruction Tutorial. on how to tie up a book shibari style. I, I know some knots. My initial training was as an engineer. So I like 
you know, kind of enjoy applying some of the technical savvy I, I acquired legitimately in some very naughty ways. And um, yeah, so when I was in my 20s, um, after having been so focused on school and getting into grad school and getting a good job and all that, I discovered that I was sort of fun deprived. And when I hit the real world, when I was, I don't know, maybe 25 or so, I went a little bonkers. And I found the scene in Boston. A girlfriend of mine was a dominatrix and I was there. I wanted to be in the room while she was doing her thing. And it was thrilling to have that opportunity to witness and participate in something so outrageous and something so exciting and sexy after having been kind of sheltered for so long. And that was in some to some degree, uh, what was the inspiration for the book? Because my protagonist is a woman who starts out as an economist who goes to Harvard for the, her MBA, and then she's on a track ascending the corporate ladder, and then the financial crisis happens, and then she notices that her boss is do, doing some bad things, and she asks some questions, and she goes from work wife to work divorcee in the blink of an eye when he fires her. And the only opportunity she has to kind of earn some money because she has student debt, she has zero portfolio because of the crisis, is when a girlfriend of hers invites her into the dungeon and says, you know, maybe you could do this. You like to do this work. And so it, at some level, it was sort of wish fulfillment. You know, what does it take for someone like me to live that kind of, extreme, sexy, exaggerated lifestyle of dominatrix. Ugh, so good and so <laughs> juicy. And so um, I love looking back at the stats for the show and which shows are most listened to, most downloaded and and looking back at the reviews that I get on the show when people comment on what their favorite episodes are. And so far, I talk a lot about relationships and varying components to sex and sexual expression and all that. But by far, my episodes that have to do with kink or BDSM are the most listened to. And I think- well, Let me tell you, the book is really kinky. Yeah. I mean, it's not erotica, like it isn't cover to cover porn. Right. right. Every few chapters, there's something pretty outrageous. Yeah. And, but, you know, I was also very thoughtful about it. I wanted, for instance- to model affirmative consent. Yeah. So I have a scene where um, my protagonist, Amy, is being trained by her girlfriend who has this sexy little art gallery and in the in the basement, she has a secret dungeon. And the game, you know, because these are games that they're often playing with clients, is Amy will present an implement, a plug, cane, whatever, gag, <laughs> Zero to a hundred real quick, a plug. Yeah, pain. to the gentleman. Yeah. And he has a choice. He will submit to it or he will use a safe word and then the, the game is over. Mm -hmm. And every time it's, it's I think, a heightened progression of difficulty, but he consents. And so Amy has the opportunity to see the dungeon as a place where people behave intentionally and um, and engage in things that are very serious, but who where also people say yes. 
Yeah. You know, you're allowed to say no in the dungeon. It's, it's quite acceptable. People mm-hmm. use their safe words all the time. And this is something that I think, um, certainly when I was starting out as an engineer, I didn't always understand, you know, I did what the boss said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm not talking about what was happening, you know, in the bedroom, but right. if, if a person in a position of authority wanted me to do something, I did it. And some of those things were a little dodgy, to be honest. I, I, I did some things then that I wouldn't do now. And it never occurred to me that I could say no. And, and that part of my education um, was missing, but it's something that I witnessed in the dungeon, for instance, in a BDSM scene, you're allowed to be very specific. I mean, people fill out questionnaires. Mm-hmm. Have you seen some of these crazy questionnaires? I, mean, I have so some of them. Like everything from gags mm-hmm. to, you know, tickling. I yeah. mean, it's from the benign to the outrageous water sports. I mean, whatever. It's enumerated. And you, yes, no, maybe. I mean, you're right. allowed to, you know, kind of take it like a shopping list. And that's I think, pretty heretical. You can say yes to some and no to other things. And so many just, people have this um, idea of what... A dungeon. I mean, just the sound of it, dungeon. It's supposed to be scary and deranged and demented and all these people, they go there and they're reenacting traumas or they're having traumas put upon them. They're, they're actively choosing like what kind of people, you know, for me, I grew up South Louisiana, very Catholic environment. And so when I was first introduced to BDSM, I actually didn't know that that's what it was called. I didn't even think anything of it. And, and all of a sudden I was doing these things and I was like, wow, I did not know that I would be into that. And, and what I discovered was deeper parts of myself and deeper elements to who I am and facets of my being that I would not have found otherwise. And so what would you say to people who are hearing this and they hear like the word dungeon or they hear this kink or BDSM, you know? So you can think of it as this sort of, um, dangerous trauma infested thing or you can think of it as kind of an extreme sport uh-huh. you know it's a way to sort of test your metal in in um an exciting context and you might be naked i mean that's, that's that doesn't suck right and it it can be as profound as you want it to be but it doesn't have to be it can just be silly fun and um an opportunity to try on a different persona try on different toys, try on different life for an hour. And that's exciting. Just the ability to kind of get out of yourself and inhabit your body or inhabit somebody else's being. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I used to enjoy uh, role-playing because mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a ham and it was, it's fun to like pretend you're the princess and that there's this evil kidnapper out to get you. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the kidnappers got some finesse. Yeah, of course. And it's like exactly if you could go again, bring that shopping list and today, this is what, this is what he looks like. This is what, how he shows up and all of that. And then maybe next week it's a totally different person. Time me up this way. And you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can be very specific or you can be very open-ended, but I think we adults don't often have permission to play. We really have to kind of take it upon ourselves and maybe even give ourselves kind of a crazy environment in which we can kind of let our hair down and be silly, pursue pleasure, do something that's just about us and our partners. 
Yeah. And like you said, your imagination and play. Yeah. For sure. So many people don't look at all of that and go, oh, they're just playing. It looks right. like, you know, like and I said before. So, I, I mean, and the other part of the book is that the people playing are are very accomplished. So we've got our Harvard MBA. We have our art gallery lady with a PhD in art history from, from Harvard. And then the men, the clients who are submissive, are badasses. You know, they run law offices. They are hedge fund guys. I mean, these are serious men. And the story as I created it was that these are the elite. But let me tell you, what I observed when I was um, in my girlfriend's dungeon was guys who were like that. I mean, we were accomplished, savvy, because by the way, you have to be pretty motivated and also resourced find and pay for a dominatrix. Mm -hmm. And, and so the notion that submissive men are kind of jokes is I think a huge disservice to them. I mean, we're, these men are brave because they're willing to sort of confront gender norms, seek out certain kind of energy from the feminine that is atypical Mm -hmm. and then embrace it. And I think it's, quite exciting when people are willing to kind of flip scripts and do something so unusual and and pursue something a little dangerous um in the name of kind of self-actualization and fun yeah absolutely when you say dangerous right it's it's relative and it might be psychologically challenging and it might not necessarily mean that your life is being threatened but you know something is challenging in it right like maybe the danger is just the prospect of public humiliation. Like yeah. if my my friends found out I want to be on my knees doing X, like maybe you're a foot fetishist. I mean, that's a sort of a little unseemly, you know, the idea of a guy on his knees fondling a foot. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of guys though. That's a high that's percentage a lot of guys. It's super fetish. Common. Mm-hmm. And, but it evokes a notion that is very you know, in opposition to standard notions of masculinity. And yet that's precisely why it's so powerful, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, the stuff that's important to us also evokes funny desires. And um, I mean, if it floats your boat, doesn't hurt pets or children. I mean, (laughs) don't let your boat float. Absolutely. I mean, I had no idea looking back that some of the And I've thrown myself into the personal development gambit. Like I'm just in it and have been for many years. And it's, I just find all of it so entertaining, cosmically comical. Um, There's been moments where it's been like, oh, looking back, that's, that was a lot of bypassing. And that was, you know, I just went straight to 10 and, you know, now I got to go back and move through some different things. But out of all the things that I've done up to now, and I'm sure that there's so much more that I'm going to um, opt into throughout this life that I have chosen, still looking at, you know, however many years have gone by so far, dabbling in kink and dabbling in BDSM has taught me more, has done more for my, my personal development than the thousands and thousands of dollars that I spent at conferences and workshops and retreats. Wow. Isn't that remarkable? And, yeah. and how, how great that you found like a leverage point like that. Yeah. And so that's basically what happens to my protagonist. And, and she's in the dungeon. She's observing people negotiating. Mm-hmm. She's observing no's. She's observing um, 
consent. And she's also observing men in a way that she hadn't before, you know, all of a sudden, you know, she's an ally to these guys where previously she had been, you know, a deputy and it changes her. And, um, she goes from being like a frustrated number two to a woman who takes charge at a very pivotal moment. And she returns to wall street on top Mm. and as a consequence of her time in the dungeon and the people she meets and the things she sees. And, um, it's, it's presented as a very positive experience for her. I love that so much. So I am curious and I'm sure some of the listeners here are like, but what's the hottest scene that's in the book? So before you jump to the hottest scene, I would like to know maybe if they were on a scale from one to 10, let's give us like, maybe, because there's some people who are listening here that's like, I have no idea. And she says scene or she says dungeon, what the, what in the world is actually happening in there? So maybe something that you would mark as like a two or a three kind of scene. And then something that's a little on the other end of the spectrum. So uh, including the consent part. So her very first introduction to all of this is um, her girlfriend invites her over to the art gallery and, and then after they've had some wine and she still doesn't know about the secret in the basement. Like the the girlfriend has kept this from her all this time. Like, I want to show you something. So she brings Amy, my protagonist, the dominatrix brings Amy down to the basement and says, please reserve judgment. And the door opens and it's this exquisite dungeon because of course, you know, I want to portray it as something elegant and awesome because she's an art gallery person. Of course, it's going to be as, as fabulous as her apartment. Can we double click on that for a second? What, when she opens the door, what does she see? She sees like a rack. She sees like a cage. She sees leather lined walls. She sees beautiful gleaming implements. She sees like French antique furniture with, with lots of drawers that contain like everything from gags to butt plugs. I mean, it, I describe it in a way that it's pretty sexy, but kind of over the top. Amazing. It's, Insert drool emoji. I know. I mean, I, she she has to have a lot of style, right? Because she's she's got this art history background, and so it's it's a sexy room. And Amy, although it's all unfamiliar, she's you know always had a bit of a crush on her her friend, who's this over the top kind of amazing woman, and so she takes it seriously, and you know she winds up sort of sitting on. Um, you know, the, the cage, which has a padded surface on the top, which is a common accoutrement. I, I like studied dungeons to make sure mine was okay. And like up there with the top tier. And then after she's had a chance to explore, um, Erica, the dominatrix goes, would you like to see this room in action? And, and Amy says, I, I don't want to be tied up. And she's like, Oh, that's the best answer ever. I can do a demo. Would you like that? And Amy's like, okay. And then like a minute or two later, a guy appears at the door and knocks. And it turns out this guy has been summoned by Erica and he's been waiting for hours outside for his moment. And Erica isn't sure if, if, if it's just going to be a scene 
without anybody watching or if it's going to be a demonstration. But so, so he comes in and then Erica proceeds to do some play with him. And, and then she invites Amy to use a crop on this guy. And she asks permission and Amy takes the crop, uses it. And she sees that the response is favorable, that she elicits arousal and excitement. But she doesn't like want to see the end. She doesn't know like what happens. Are there, is there going to be sex? Is there going to be whatever? So mm-hmm. she excuses herself and she leaves. And sometime later, Erica joins them and they debrief. And that's when she learns, no, dominatrixes generally don't have sex with their clients. It's a different kind of erotic exploration. And by the way, would you consider taking over this job? Because Erica has the opportunity to go to Europe and get a very valuable painting. But it'll take a couple of months because the latex fetishes. You know, I had to get her out of there, right? Yeah. And Amy initially says no, you know, but then it gnaws on her. And she has a pretty thrilling experience with a submissive man in a hotel room that she picks up at a hotel bar. And she like uses binder clips on him <laughs> and the, the, the belt from the bathrobe in the hotel suite. And, and she discovers that it was kind of exciting. And she decides to give it a whirl. So it's not always like high tech with like, you know, outrageous dungeon-y accoutrements. Sometimes it's very simple stuff with just the binder clips. You work with what you've got and you make the best of the moment. Mm. So if we were to ramp that up yes, to like a nine or an eight, what could be involved? I say what could, right. but you know what's involved. Oh, yeah. I know what's involved. You know. Okay. So uh, does it have to be from the book? Because Not necessarily, that's... because I'm thinking that, you know, myself and also the listeners are getting a good taste of, yeah. of your personality and how you are, um, you know, represented in a lot of yeah. the, the characters well, in the book. You know, I you don't want to hit the cliches, but the cliches are the tried and true tropes because they're so effective. I mean, you need bondage, right? You need to render the person helpless. That's the easiest way to affect the outcome you want. I mean, you can do mental bondage. Don't move. If you drop this, consequences will arise. But I think like actual restraints are probably the easiest way for most people to the ball rolling it. Spread evil's a classic, don't you think? It's like one of the most I'm, vulnerable places you can be in, but naked, strapped to something and spread open. Exactly. And it's it's independent of gender. Let let's do a femdom kind of scenario, because I that's the book, right? Yeah. So the gentleman is tied spread eagle to the bed. Maybe that's a four-poster deal. I'm an engineer, I could figure it out. But like for the casual bondage attempt. Um that's that's the easiest way to do it. And then you have a canvas in front of you, right? You have a better make sure he's naked first because if he's dressed and you've got him spread eagle, it's a little hard to get at the, at the sensitive bits. Yeah. 
you have a naked you have a naked gentleman in front of you and and by the way all sorts of parts can be tied up cock and ball bondage is pretty amazing and what's fun about that is how distorting it can be but also how it heightens sensitivity i mean to to wrap the genitals with rope and to see the flesh bulging a little bit and to realize that as the skin becomes taut it becomes even more sensitive to something as simple as a as a fingertip or a tongue is to realize how much power you have and then you just then you just play with your toy right Mm -hmm. (laughs) and listen to your intuition exactly is is the toy there to serve or is the toy there to suffer? And that's a whole different thing, right? You can just alternate if you want. So good. So out of all of the characters that are in the book, which one do you resonate with the most? The main? I'm Amy, yeah. you know, the sort of the serious person who winds up in wacko world and mm-hmm. tries to make the best of it. Yeah. Um, the sexiest character by far is Erica the experienced Uber Dom, the woman who can bring billionaires to their knees. And she is so aware of her personal power that she can do things that would seem unacceptable in any other circumstance. So I, I have Amy describe witnessing a gallery event where Erica basically berates a customer for not buying better art for not having ambitious enough taste get your checkbook now this is not good enough you need to get like the serious piece and amy is astonished when the guy comes back with his checkbook and ponies up for the 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 more ambitious piece but then this is the guy that she does the demo on it turns out he's a submissive client and the art thing is just part of their play and a way that they relate to one another right in a in a charged environment that isn't the dungeon because any room can be a dungeon dungeon is a metaphor Mm -hmm. um in addition to being a room with a lot of great gear but like you can you can do these these power plays anywhere with somebody who's consented oh my goodness and i love that and then you get an opportunity i love that that description in particular um being able to exercise a kink in a socially palatable in a sense way, in a way that right. is not, it's, it is voyeuristic. It's humiliation right. play, but it's not, nobody's naked and there's pe- not right. people around that's not consenting to that thing. Right. Exactly. I mean, I think it's really wrong to involve unwilling bystanders in, in play that's obviously designed to to explore yeah. this stuff but like you know kind of tailing somebody off or not buying like good enough art i mean that's it violates decorum but it doesn't violate people's you know right to to like not have to witness you it's know the relatively spanking. i mean you would never do spanking in public without people having consented i mean there was this crazy dominatrix out I think in Scotland who did it at a pub a couple months ago. And you just go, they're just there to eat, eat 
a pasty and drink a beer. They're not there to participate in your, you know, S&M scene, you yeah. know, take it somewhere else. There are people who want to see that stuff. Yeah. Some people that just want to drink a beer. One of the ways I choose to support myself on my health and pleasure journey is with a line of superfood products by Organifi. Some of my absolute favorites are the red juice for energy support. I love coffee, but reaching for that in the middle of the day can sometimes be a bit hard on my system. So I love opting for something like Organifi Red because it's mostly made of beets and berries and it allows me to support my energy throughout the day without any additional caffeine intake, which is great because there's no rest in the work that I do helping people who want a better sex life. And then when I'm ready to wind down, there's Organifi Gold, which is a blend of turmeric, ginger, and adaptogenic mushrooms like reishi and turkey tail. Life running a multifaceted sex and love coaching business can keep me super fired up. And this tasty superfood blend helps me transition into relax mode so I can be present with my babe and my pups. It also prepares me for a great night's sleep. And the best of the best in my book is the mental and digestive support because a healthy and supported gut equals a healthy mind, which is a lesson I continue to learn over and over again. Organifi Pure helps me with just that. Now, I wouldn't be sharing something with all of you that I didn't believe in or that I wouldn't use myself. So I'm sharing all of this with you from a place of love and authenticity. Now, Side note, I was in the same Burning Man camp in 2019 with one of the co-founders of Organifi, and I think that's pretty dope. (laughs) Kind of tells you a little bit about the company culture. So if you are looking for a better way to support your energy, your downtime, your digestion, your mental focus, or your overall health, check out Organifi at www.organifi.com forward slash TSC. The listeners of That Sex Chick get an additional 15% off of your order. Remember to visit www.organifi.com forward slash TSC. There's a few characters over over the years, whether I've um, read about them in books or watched them in shows or had seen them in movies where I, I think I just need to channel my inner that person, yeah. you know, and channel my inner that person and see what the world affords me whenever I embody that character, which is also a character inside of myself. Right. And see what and the world gives me. Those muscles, right? Absolutely. And I don't know if you know this, but I was in the art world for almost six years I and traveling, traveling the world, selling art, teaching art, even though science was my background. It was like my, I want to run away and don't want to go to grad school yet. And yeah. now, you know, it just made absolutely no sense at the time when I did it. And now I look around at my life and I'm like, how the hell did this shake out? You know? <laughs> well, and, and I, you know, I, when I was building my character, so I was very intentional about, you know, how, you know, the, the kind of jobs my character should have and the kind of life they should lead. And, and what struck me as I was looking around for Erica's profession was just how kinky a lot of performance art is. Um, like if you think about Marina Abramovich, um, well, I, I base a scene in the book on a, a very famous performance art scene she did. So in the 70s, she basically entered a gallery, lay down in the middle of it with 70 odd implements around her, ranging from like a flower and a feather to a pistol with bullets, you know, and then there was like a whole hierarchy of outrageous things in between them 
And the audience was invited to use these things on her and she wouldn't resist. And I read this and I thought, this isn't art, this is SNL. They were all privy to like one of the perviest scenes ever. We're just lucky that nobody got hurt. And so I took that framework and turned it into a scene. So that was the moment when um, Amy is offering the client the right to say yes or no is based on Marina. So she would hold up a butt plug, yes or no. And the guy would say yes. She would. She held up um, a violet wand, yes or no. And the guy just kept saying yes. And she kept using things on him. And then he just ejaculated and the game was over. Because we know the fun stops once, once, you know, once everybody's kind of had their orgasm. Mm-hmm. Um, who can take more, right? Right. Um, but, uh, well, some people can, and that's a whole different thing. And but, sometimes the end is, I'm going to get you as close as I can and then see you in 10 to 15 days. You may not touch right. yourself by... I mean, how about the people playing with, like, enforced chastity? Mm-hmm. Like, they're tools for that. Yeah. I had I a mean, couple of clients um, a few years ago. My, the The demographic and the type of client that I've taken over the last four, just over four years has changed a lot. And when I first got started, I felt like I was a magnet for so many people who just needed someone to talk to. Right. And they, there was a couple of men in particular that were submissive and they followed me online and they read everything that I wrote and they had both of them, they knew each other and they were more or less in similar kind of locations Mm -hmm. and they saw the same femdom and they were both married, both high-ranking um, corporate men. I think they yeah. might have even both owned the companies or the CEOs oh, wow. of the companies. So very and, successful. They they know how yeah. to get things done. Yeah, absolutely. And they had a, a hard time reconciling. You know, they would go to this woman and she'd put them through this whole, you know, situation. And then they would leave. I always describe it as they go into the dungeon as someone who might have a lot of stress, maybe a little bit of shame. They don't get told no often. They have to embody this particular kind of persona and archetype. And then they go into the dungeon and they're able to strip all of it away and be vulnerable and be exposed, be told no, be told all the things that no one in their office would ever think of saying. And they're told things in a way where they, in a sense, have somewhat control over and consent because then they also might go home and hear similar things come out of the mouth of their wife, but it's a totally different Oh yeah, like hearing no from your wife is very different from hearing no from your dominatrix. Absolutely. And then, (laughs) you know, and I remember working with them and, and, and really just being a soundboard you know, between the two and say, how do I bring this to my partner, my wife? And I felt at the time that I was really, uh, not fully equipped to, to handle. So I would oftentimes find a licensed manly, manly marriage, family therapist who is kink positive, sex positive, all of that. And say, here's who you want to work with the whole family, you know, maybe not the kids, but you and your wife. And when it comes to me, I can just help you with being vulnerable and, and preparing yourself and empower, so you feel them feel empowered to bring this topic because um, I think what was a challenge for, if I'm not mistaken, both of them, one just was a don't ask, don't tell kind of thing. Um, they just didn't speak. She knew that that was going on, but just didn't want to know about right. it. And then the other one was just so put off by it. it she also knew, but didn't want to have any kind of conversation. But, and so while they, while they felt expressed because 
they weren't being stopped. Their wife wasn't going right. to leave them. Their family didn't, they, it wasn't a risk that they were, you well, know, and they love, they love their wives and know? they love their wives. There's a reason why they were together, but this is also an aspect of who they are that is being fulfilled in a way that their wife, you know, that's a lot of pressure to put on a partner to be your it everything, is. to be the wife, to be the mom, to be, you know, the adventure and the consistency and the flow and the spontaneity and the structure and all the things. It's just so much pressure. And so I love it. If you just don't like that stuff, I mean, you're allowed to say no. I mean, that's the thing about consent. You know, both people have to be on board and it's tragic when there's such a mismatch, but also when there isn't an outlet. Absolutely. Because where does it go? That, that suppression, the repression, it gets trapped into the body and creates dis-ease in some way. And And it's a gnawing thing, like where you, you feel like you've, you're missing out on something, especially, you know, the nature of fetish is, it's, yeah. it's often very deep rooted. It's, it's happened. It's been in there for a long time. And it, I mean, these are themes and, and cravings that, that have existed for, for centuries, if not millennia. So it's not like they've just sort of spontaneously occurred right. when, you know, Eddie Page started holding a, a crop. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's, it's old stuff. And, but they've, but it's never been polite stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's tough to kind of bridge that gap. I, um, it's really conversations I, like this that do that. Yeah. yeah. And I, it's been kind of, I mean, I imagine you have had this experience too, being willing to have these conversations. All of a sudden, everybody like wants to talk to you about this pervy stuff because you're the one person they know that isn't going to like look askance. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's been a privilege. I got to say, I mean, I, I've, I've sort of learned who in, in my circle is it's a lot more interesting than I ever realized. And dare I say, we're all that interesting. Some just <laughs> haven't found their flavor yet. So true. It's so true. You know, yeah. I, I joke all the time, like somebody will say, oh, you know, I'm just so vanilla. And my, if it's a friend, I'll say something like this. I'm like, you're a kinky motherfucker inside you, you, there's a, there's a kinky motherfucker inside of you. You just haven't met her yet. <laughs> she's in there. I promise you she's in there and I don't know what it looks like. And you don't know what it looks yeah. like, but if you give her some space to play. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that we are so inhibited about even expressing our curiosities. I mean, Having thought crimes is very different than having like, actual crimes. I mean, our brain should be allowed to go kind of anywhere they want. And, yeah. um, you know, maybe maybe for, for a lot of reasons, our bodies may have, have hesitation to follow. But um, we're, we're imaginative, creative creatures. And it's, it's exciting to see what can happen. And, and I'll be honest, I didn't quite realize how creative I was until, I don't know, long after I'd passed my twenties, for instance. Um, and I had no idea I could write. Uh, that was something that I took up maybe a decade ago. I'm 53. So it's, it's, it's interesting trying new things, even, you know, the further along you get more mature, you get to, to, to be the beginner, to, to reveal your, your, vulnerabilities and to just plow through them. It's pretty thrilling. Mm. 
So good. Jane, this is such a lovely conversation, you know, like bringing something that feels so taboo, so out there and, and bringing into shining the light of normalcy on it, because all of this is so normal. You know, I, I joke. So my, my master's degree was in statistics. So, you know, like the typical measure of normalcy is a standard deviation, you know, and I'm like, no, deviancy is very normal. Oh yeah. You know, there's a standard deviant, you know, and we're, we're all sort of, you know, it's very rare to find people who are living in the tails. It's, you know, most of us are pretty close to the center. We're just a little weirder than we realize. Just give us a little time uh, or hand them edge play and see what yes. comes up. Read my novel and, yeah. um, you know, get in touch with your inner freak. Absolutely. So I'm just curious kind of to round out our conversation. Those who are listening are like, wow, that was fascinating and good for those people or I might enjoy that book. Yes. What if they are curious about what could, what could they do to explore? Um, now I I'm curious to hear your, uh, insight on that because I've had conversations. I mean, I've done a solo show that was all about my introduction to BDSM and kink and all of that. And I gave some resources at the end. I've done full episodes with pro doms. And so you as someone who is very, I would say regular, if I met you in the street, I go, Oh, hi, Jane, lovely lady author. You know what I mean? Like somebody who uses her imagination, who's written about the subject, who's lived the life that you've lived. Someone says to you like, okay, this is cool. And I'll be like, what do I do with it? So I would use FetLife as the portal into it. And, and then once you're on there, it's easy to find, um, the in person, you know, once COVID is beyond us and these things resume, there are all sorts of introductory social events where you can sort of look around and see how boringly normal everybody is who attends. Like there's there's no seething mass of pathology at the bar. When you go to a munch, there are actually folks. And, and this is sort of the easiest, gentlest way of finding the way it works because yeah. people are generally very generous with their time and their insights. They want newbies, which is the term of art, to have a good experience. They, um, they, they are, are really encouraging of people who are curious and open. They don't like judgmental assholes, but if you're curious and open, they're very, very attuned to, to guiding you and shepherding you into what could be a lot of fun. Absolutely. And if you were to go to, so what she said was FetLife, so FetLife.com. And then she said events. And then she said Munch, M-U-N-C-H. And so find your, whatever community you're in. So like do a search on Boston, New York, or Louisiana, wherever. And it's international too. If you're traveling to Paris, you can probably find something fun over there. That's how I found um, the big, uh, S&M club in Paris, which was part of my research. I found it thanks to that life. Mm, it's so good. Now, if you are brand new and the only kind of uh, social media type thing that you've played with is Facebook, just know that when you log in to FetLife for the first time, it is different. 
isn't that white background is a black background and you will be exposed literally to naked things. Yeah. There's different... a lot of dick pics and you have to yeah. choose like a pseudonym. So find, you know, something fun. Yeah. Embody um, a character of yourself and, and go on to it. So I, I like to just warn people ahead of time. I'm like, you will immediately see naked things. It's yeah, okay. There's, there's a lot of cock out there. Yeah. And, uh, and pussy. I mean, like people are exhibitionists. Right? Absolutely. So just know that as you go on. And then if you go into FetLife, there's different tabs, go down to the one that I believe is to the far right and you'll see events, type your location. And a munch is a beginner event. So instead of going to like some extravagant Shabari class, which is a a topic we didn't even dig into, but sure, Shabari isn't necessarily, uh, it is erotic. It's pretty advanced stuff. It is advanced and it's not necessarily sexual, but you, but it's still considered kinky in some ways, but it's also considered art in many ways. And so there's just so many flavors and so many colors. And so what I hear in your recommendation is, get started at the curiosity, expose in a sense yourself to different types of people who are at different parts in their own journey. And I think that that can inspire someone, especially who's new kind of navigating their way. Well, well, especially since when you're sort of starting out, you don't know what you don't know. And you may enter thinking like Shabari, for instance, you've seen these pictures of people wrapped up in rope and wow, that sounds amazing. But maybe once you get a little exposure, you might discover latex is your thing. I mean, it's, it's a lot out there and it's, it's really deep and wide and weird and wild and, and fun. Fuck. Yeah. And thank goodness it is. We might get excited yeah. about the idea of Shabari and realize just how much of a time commitment learning that craft is and go, Oh, I would rather do something that takes significantly less time. It's macrame with humans. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of dangerous. <laughs> And yet there are people who, who adore it. I was on FetLife a couple of years ago when I was um, in uh, Antwerp, of all things. And I, I went, what's happening in Antwerp? And I discovered there's like a, a shibari studio. And I'm like, well, I have this evening open and there's a shibari event. So I went, but it was so random and weird. But it was also, you know, you sort of make yourself open to adventure. And I had a great time. I just watched. And yeah. there's a room for the voyeur, thank goodness, because I'm a married lady and we're not poly. So I do a lot of watching. There you go. And um, and that's participation. So, right. Yeah. And I think when you, when you go into those kinds of things, so as an example, um, instead of deciding to go for cocktails at the local Applebee's, I don't know why that was the example that came to mind, <laughs> but instead of doing that, you look on maybe FetLife or, or some um, other avenue for what is an event that you can go to. And instead of doing whatever would be like the normal thing that you do on a Friday night, you'd find something that's a little bit edgier and yeah. going in, you don't have to stay. You never have to say, so you give yourself permission to leave when the energy inside of your body passes discomfort and excitement and goes into, this is too much too soon right, right now. And then you leave. And- and yeah, like make the stakes super low. I'm only here yeah. for 30 minutes and then I'm blowing this joint. And then if it turns out to be kind of interesting and fun, yes, okay, I'll stay for another half an hour. Yeah. And then you reevaluate. Yes. And um, I was I was happy just to sit on the sidelines. I talked, had a great conversation with the guy who runs the place and just learning about his business. I mean, it was just interesting. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the good things about being a woman in these sort of, sexually charged environments, you know, people are kind of 
curious about why you're there and they're very open to talking to you. But yeah. I've I've never seen um, men get ignored if they behave well and they mm-hmm. they're good guests. Absolutely. It's a little bit difficult for me to embody creeper in a corner. <laughs> I mean, personally, I've never tried, but. I, maybe I need to aspire to that. I don't know. I wonder what it would take. Big, big trench coat and nothing else. Maybe so. Jane, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I have appreciated hearing more about your book, your personal story, and uh, of course you sharing insights and examples that my listeners can essentially um, go there in their minds, in a sense, before they ever decide to go there, whatever that could mean for them in reality. And maybe some of the listeners have already been all over there. Yeah. You know, the grizzled veterans of the scene, it's all, what, the lesser needles, it just doesn't matter. Right. 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 Bloodletting. Yes, please. Up to your elbow inside of my anus. Yes, please. So this is when you're getting all the way on the other side of the spectrum. So wherever you're at on the journey, you perfect. Congratulations. Things I don't understand, but I'm so, you know, I'm fascinated that people do. Absolutely. Like you said, children, pets, everybody's consented. (laughs) Those, those categories are kept safe. Fair game. I may not be into it, but I will cheer you on. Yeah. I I don't know what your hand's doing up there, but so long as everybody emerges unscathed, have at it. Well, unless they want to be scathed. And then (laughs) I also support this message. (laughs) said I, I I only want my scars to be psychological yes but I mean <laughs> you know a well-placed bite mark every now and then it's not my favorite but every now and then you know no, it's a it's a lingering memento of, of, a, of a wild evening yeah so Jane is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners where they can find you um, ah, where they can purchase well, your book so my book is on Amazon that's the easiest place to find it it's in some bookstores but Amazon's Let's let's make Deaf Bezos even richer. Um, Edge Play, Jane Boone, B-O-O-N. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Jane E. Boone. And that's how to find me. The Boone is spelled B-O-O-N. So nothing complicated. It's not Daniel-esque. It's just the simple. Jane Boone. And I would love to hear from you because I'm also thinking about writing a sequel. And I want to know more, Amy the uh, investment banker turned dominatrix or more Erica, the Uber Dom and um, feedback will influence outcome. <laughs> Amazing as, uh, as it should. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you again so much for having this conversation with me, Jane. I'm grateful you. for your time, Alexa. And, and thank you to anyone who listened. This was a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.